Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. On Wednesday, I had the opportunity to go to Packers practice and OTAs, and anytime I get to go to a Packers practice, it is a good day, so I'm excited to share with you all of my takeaways from practice. Real quick note before we get there, obviously, Matt Schneidman of The Athletic had a huge article interviewing Aaron Rodgers about the Rodgers-Packers divorce, if you will. Um, I'll let you go out and check out The Athletic for yourself and read the article. It's definitely worth reading. I thought Matt did a tremendous job with the article. My biggest takeaway from it is the exact same takeaway that I've had this entire time. It was just time. It was a million percent time. It was time for Aaron. And I think moving to the Jets and moving to another team is the best thing for Aaron. It was time for the Packers. I think going in a different direction was the best thing for the Packers. It was best for everyone involved. And I feel even more confident in saying that after reading Matt's article uh, from The Athletic about the entire situation than I even did before. And that's been my entire takeaway this entire time. I think it's going to be best for everyone involved that everyone just went in a different direction at this point. And I think that this is ultimately, like I said, what was best for the probably the Jets, best for Aaron, best for the Packers, best for Jordan Love. I think this comes out as a at least a uh, it was just a necessary win for everyone involved. I don't know that it's going to work out perfectly for everyone. No idea how it's going to work out for Aaron, the Jets, the Packers, Jordan Love, etc. But it just felt like it was the necessary right step for everyone. And like I said, feel that way even more confidently after reading Matt's article. So definitely go and check that out over at The Athletic. Not going to spend too much time on that today. Uh, but that brings us, of course, to OTAs and a huge Huge, huge shout out and thank you to Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated for taking attendance and uh, having those players listed who weren't in attendance. Obviously, I noted uh, everyone that I saw, like, I don't want to go through and cross every name off on the list of who's there and who's not and take attendance, but thank God Bill did because uh, it is super helpful. Uh, you can always follow Bill over on Sports Illustrated, but this is the attendance per Bill Huber. Not in attendance, Jair Alexander, Keyshawn Nixon, Razul Douglas, and Jonathan Garvin, they were not there. 
Now, remember, these are non-mandatory, so they are not mandatory to be there in any capacity. Um, the interesting ones are Jair, Razul, and Garvin. They have not been at either of the open OTAs to the media. Now, maybe they were at other sessions that we just weren't there for. Remember, we only get one day each week during these OTAs, so it's possible some of these guys were at the other sessions and we just weren't there to see it. But for the open media portion, the only three players that weren't at least at one of the practices were Jonathan Garvin, Jair Alexander, and Razul Douglas. Keyshawn Nixon was a new absentee from the list. Not practicing were Dallin Levitt, Dontavian Wicks, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary, Jay Canson, Tucker Craft, Jeff Cotton, Grant Dubose, and then eventually Devontae Wyatt, who fell out of practice at one point. Not sure what the situation was, but he went from seemingly like he was going to practice to off to the side. Returning to practice were Quay Walker, which was great to see. He returned from his injury. Remember, he dropped out of the last practice last week. He was back practicing. David Bakhtiari was back. Elton Jenkins was back. Gene DeLance and Preston Smith all practicing as well. So that's one of the first big pieces and takeaways is that both David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were back at practice. Now, Bakhtiari did not do teamwork. He was only doing individual work. Elton Jenkins did do some work with the team as well. So great to see both of those players back at practice. When David Bakhtiari was not in team drills, the interesting piece here was that Caleb Jones was his substitute at left tackle. I think we probably all would have assumed it would have been Yash or Zach Tom at left tackle, and then the other one at right tackle, but with Bakhtiari out, it was Caleb Jones taking his spot, and it seems, at least early on, that this is because they want to rotate Zach Tom and Yash Nyman at right tackle. I know going into the offseason, there was maybe some question as to whether or not Zach Tom would get a look at a couple different positions. Maybe Josh Myers would have to battle for that spot. At least early on, I have not seen Zach Tom take any snaps at center. I did see him take some snaps at right guard in the first OTA, but it seems like this is going to be in all likelihood, at least this is very early still. We're still in OTAs. A million things can change between now and training camp, but so far, Seems like it's going to be Bakhtiari left tackle, Jenkins left guard, Myers center, John Runyon Jr. right guard, with the real battle being between Yash Nyman and Zach Tom at right tackle. That's what it seems to be right now. Could things change? Absolutely. But it is interesting that they have kept Zach Tom at right tackle. Tom got the start at right tackle today. He did alternate with Yash Nyman a little bit, but those are the two that seeming, you know, seemingly are going to have to battle for that last starting spot along the offensive line. So we'll see if anything changes along the way. If Josh Myers' spot or if John Runyon's spot ultimately get up for grabs as well. But right now, seems like it's ultimately going to be Bach, Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and then either Zach Tom or Yash Nyman. The big player of the day is Luke Musgrave. And overall, if we're talking like team drills and things like that, was mostly a not like not like a crazy day. There's nothing that insane happened with Luke Musgrave. He had a couple catches, uh, I think, throughout the team periods in the day. The one play that was really, really nice was a deep crossing route where he had beat Tavarius Moore on the play. And if you know Tavarius Moore, you know that he does not lack for speed. But Luke Musgrave was running away from him down the field. And Luke, or excuse me, uh, Jordan Love was able to connect with him down the deep center of the field on a deep intermediate play. This is awesome. Like just being able to see a tight end that can function in the middle of the field, has some real run after the catch ability, has amazing size, has great speed, has the ability to run away from safeties. It has been since Jermichael Finley that we have not seen that type of playmaking and athleticism at the position. Now, before I go too far into this, yes, 
I do want to give some caveats here. We know it's OTAs. There's no pads on. This is just a player in shorts and a t-shirt. It is a rookie. The tight end position is a lot more than just running away from safeties. The blocking aspect of this is going to be huge. So work not done, job not done. Luke Musgrave has a long way to go, but he has really lived up to the, the billing and the expectation of a early second round pick so far. I feel like he's looked fantastic as a receiver at the tight end position. And to be fair, that's really the piece of his game that was at least semi-expected that he was going to be able to come in and use his speed and his size and be able to be used in some capacity as a weapon within this offense. He had a just a plain individual drills and I posted it on Twitter. Ball's behind him. He's streaking down the field. You can immediately tell his speed and athleticism. Contorts his body, has great body control, catches it away from his body, continues upfield with ease, shows great agility. We just, I'll say it one more time, we have not seen this type of athleticism at the tight end position since Jermichael Finley in his prime. This is a, this is, this could be potentially huge for the Packers offense. There's no two ways around it. Having a target like that in the middle of the field for Jordan Love is going to pay massive dividends. Now, unfortunately, Tucker Craft was not able to practice in this one, so we didn't get a, you know any additional look at Tucker Craft. But man, if Luke Musgrave can be that type of player early on in his career, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, and Matt LaFleur echoed the same statement uh, and same sentiment in his press conference on Wednesday. The tight end position is one of the hardest positions to learn in the NFL. And Matt LaFleur said, basically, besides quarterback, it's the second hardest position to learn. And it's clear why. You have to learn all of the blocking that an offensive lineman has. You have to learn all of the route running that a wide receiver has. You have to learn outside stuff because the tight ends in this offense will line up out wide. You have to learn inline. You have to learn slot stuff. You have to learn blitz pickups. You have to learn all the terminology. Like there is just a ton of thrown at these young tight ends. So how Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft will respond to that will be huge. How he can hold up as a blocker will be massive. So we're getting a very small piece of the pie, but as a pure athlete, fast, physical, big, everything you want to see in your new second round tight end, Luke Musgrave has been up to the billing so far, and he has had a really nice start to rookie mini camps and OTAs. Very excited by, by what I've seen out of him from, again, the little that we can see, t-shirt and shorts, etc. But all you can do is go out there and show what you're capable of. And so far, Luke Musgrave has been very impressive in showing exactly what he is capable of as a receiver at the tight end position. All right, let's talk about QB1 because I know that's where everyone's going to want to go is Jordan Love. Let's start with the bad slash ugly first. He had a play to the outside that he was attempting to go to Jaden Reed on the outside. I believe if I remember correctly, it was off a of play action, goes to the left side, looked like he was late on the play, a little bit late developing, probably threw late on the throw, should not have, should have been picked off by Corey Ballantyne. Had it been, it would have been a pick six. Unfortunately for Ballantyne and the defense, it goes off of Ballantyne's hands and Jordan Love gets a reprieve. Really not what you want to see in any capacity from a uh, Packers fan standpoint. Your quarterback throwing a potential pick six, your defense dropping a potential pick six, nothing good comes out of that on the play. Uh, but what I'll note here is a couple things. A is that I don't know what happened on the route. It's possible that maybe Jaden Reed was not in the right spot at the right time and Love threw over there and it just, you know, and Ballantyne was able to undercut it and make a play on the ball. 
I didn't see the exact progression of the play, so I can only tell you what the end result was, and that's it should have been a pick six for Corey Ballantyne, and it was not. What led up to that is anyone's guess. I didn't get to see the full functionality of the play. I don't have all 22 vision to see how the entirety of the play developed, but it was probably a play that Jordan would like to have back and that he probably should not have thrown. On another play to Jaden Reed, he, I believe this was in the two minute portion, he had Jaden Reed streaking down the field in between the corner and the safety. It looked like there was a hole, maybe it was a cover two coverage and sort of that turkey hole. He had Reed wide open and overthrew him. This is another situation where you have a first year rookie wide receiver working with Jordan Love. And for those of you who are thinking, all right, you're just going to sit and make excuses for Jordan Love. No, I, I'm just telling you, I don't, I don't know. But it very well could be a situation where Jaden Reed wasn't in the spot that he was supposed to be. A lot of this could simply be timing between a first-year starter and a rookie wide receiver. If you know, if Love thinks that Reed's going to cut it at the 20-yard line and Reed cuts it at the 25-yard line, there's a huge difference there. And maybe the cut was supposed to be more precise. Maybe it was supposed to be more rounded off, whatever it may be. It's also possible Jordan just missed him. That's within the realm of possibility as well. But wide open down the field, Jaden Reed's there and Love and Reed could not find that connection. You also had a play. Uh, they, they were basically going through a portion of practice where they were only doing running plays and play action. That was it. There's no other plays, just runs and play action. Play action fake, Romeo Dobbs getting down the middle of the field, had underneath coverage, had over the top coverage, threw into double coverage, ball sort of, I guess, you know, kind of was a little bit of a, um, just a little bit of a duck, basically, like held up in the air for a little while. Ball should probably have not have been thrown in that situation. Savage made a pretty easy interception on the play, did a great job playing center field, high pointing the ball, making the pick and getting the ball for the defense. Probably one that Jordan would like to have back, but what I will note here as well, these are practices, all right? We can box score scout you know, practices as much as you want. It's not a good idea to do so. There's two things that I will say about this. And again, not making excuses for Jordan. If that were to happen in a game and he threw into double coverage, it would be a massive negative as I would grade on that play. In practice, there's two things. A, there's a chance that the Packers coaches just wanted Jordan to make that throw almost no matter what. Sometimes the coaches want to see how the play develops give their defense a chance, or in just, they, they might say it like it was, it pretty much was a one person run. I know there were checkdowns and things like that, but it was basically a one person deep route to Romeo Dobbs. So it's possible that the Packers coaches, the quarterbacks coach, Tom Clements, Matt LaFleur said, Hey, whatever the coverage is, I want you to throw this ball to Romeo Dobbs. And that gives the defense the opportunity to make a play on the ball and for Green Bay to see how their defensive backs respond. So sometimes in practice, coaches will give a directive that, hey, I don't care if it's double covered, triple covered, I want you to make this throw. Maybe it's a directive that, hey, this is like, you treat this like a fourth down play, like you have to complete this pass. So that could be within the realm of possibility as well. In all likelihood, he probably threw into double coverage and probably made a mistake, but that's just the level of what we do and don't know as we're watching these practices. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. The other thing that I will say here is that in practices, I don't mind if Jordan Love is stretching the boundaries to see what he is capable of throwing deep down the field to his wide receivers. Remember, if you go back a couple seasons when Jordan was first coming into the league, one of Matt LaFleur's biggest criticisms of Jordan and the thing he was very vocal about was that he wanted to see Jordan get to the back of his drop and rip the dang ball. He didn't want to see all this, you know, sort of waiting around and taking the check downs. He's like, I want to see him get to his drop and rip the ball to his receivers. And there is a time and a place, and this is exactly that time and place during OTAs and mini camps to rip the ball down the field and see what you're capable of as a quarterback. If you don't ever test the limits and test the boundaries of what you're capable of, how are you supposed to know it when the regular season comes around? So now, even if it wasn't a directive from the coaching staff to make that pass, even if he made a poor decision on the play, what he's going to be able to take away is, okay, I I thought I had an opportunity to thread a needle in there and make a play to Romeo, but clearly that was not the case. And in a game type of situation, I'm not going to be able to throw that pass and I need to either check it down or get rid of the ball or do something different because that's not a throw I can make in an NFL game. And those are the type of learning moments that I want my quarterback. I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love or Sean Clifford. I want you to explore the boundaries as much as possible to see what you're capable of doing at the position. And if that's now a play that you learn, hey, all right, check that one off. Can't make that throw in games. I would rather you learn it now in OTAs than in week seven. You know, it just, that's how it works. So it's very important to remember that these are practices and they are practices with a lot of young players out in the field. And some of these mistakes are going to inherently happen. And some of the times you want these mistakes to happen. You want the players testing themselves to see what they're capable of at an NFL level. So is it probably one that Jordan would like to have back? Probably, but that, I learned that now and I have no issue with that whatsoever. Now, 
there was also a missed check down on the sideline to AJ Dillon. Uh, just a quick, you know, uh, throw in the flat that just went a little bit wide. Again, could there be a miscommunication on where he expected Dillon to be? Sure. It's within the realm of possibility. Those are some of the throws that he would like to have back. There was also some really good stuff. Now this one, this next one's kind of in the middle. So this was a uh, team drill and Love went back to pass, gets pressured, steps up in the pocket, rolls to his left, notices Romeo Dobbs way down the field and hits Romeo Dobbs for probably like a 30 yard gain. Great job maneuvering the pocket. Great job keeping his eyes downfield. Great job locating Romeo Dobbs and hits a huge completion on the play. Now, the only issue, the ball was also a little bit wobbly out of Jordan's hand. Took a little bit to get there. Probably could have hit Romeo a little bit more in stride. And in this situation, he just made sure probably had the safe completion. Wasn't the sexiest pass in the world, but all the other stuff leading up to it was perfect. And the result was really good as well. So I was somewhere in the middle on that play. The other stuff... Loved how Jordan looked through the two-minute drill, completely moved the offense down the field up until the fact that the rain started coming and basically they ended practice a little bit early. So they ended the two-minute drill before actually completing it. But Jordan moved the offense right down the field. I love that he was utilizing the middle of the field. Multiple slant plays. Uh, he hit Romeo Dobbs on a couple slants, hit uh, Samori Toure on a slant, hit Luke Musgrave in the middle of the field. Like we saw him attack the middle of the field, which has been something that we haven't seen in Green Bay in some time. And the fact that he had that confidence and the ability to, you know, sort of rip it right past the defense, hit some receivers in stride. Love to see that. Loved uh, his overall command of the offense. You could very much tell that this is a different Jordan Love. And I've mentioned in years past, like his rookie year, he just, there's a reason he was number three behind Tim Boyle. He was not ready. His second year, he was not ready. You know, he's not quite ready yet. Last year, you could tell he was ready to be the backup. This year, he's taking command of this offense like he's the starter. Clearly, he is the starter, but you can tell he's taken another true step. And I think a lot of people maybe just expected that step because now he's going to be the starter, but that's, there's no guarantee that that step just automatically takes place. He's taken a, another huge step, in my opinion, just in his overall progression as a passer from last year where we were at OTAs to right now. There is a difference in Jordan Love. He has gotten better. Now, I will say that I think Jordan's play on this day was a microcosm of what I've seen from the Packers overall in OTA so far. And that is, this is a quarterback that is going to have some ups and some downs. There are going to be a couple plays that leave you scratching your head. There are going to be a couple plays that make you go, oh, okay, there's something potentially special here. And I see that all throughout this team. Luke Musgrave, another great example. Some really high-end flashy plays. There were a variety of drops in this practice once again. Uh, most of these were in individual drills and not in team drills this time, but we saw some drops. We saw some pass protection issues. We saw a false start by Caleb Jones. We saw some defenders that got beat on the inside a little bit too easily. We saw Romeo Dobbs have a really great day. And this is just what I think you're going to get from a very young team, especially early in the process. This is not a well-oiled, fully functioned offense that has veterans that have been playing in the same system for five, six, seven years. This is a first-time starting quarterback with a bunch of rookies and second-year players surrounding him on offense. There's going to be a high level of variance for how that looks. Sometimes it's going to look amazing. Sometimes it's going to look a little bit clunky. There's going to be some ups and downs. Same with Jordan Love. 
Some of the same things on defense. We saw some young players making some plays. I'll go over a couple in just a moment. We saw some other plays, and specifically in the secondary. Now remember, Keyshawn, Razul, Stokes, Jair, all not playing, so that's going to affect the secondary. But we saw a little bit, like I said, too, you know, giving up some uh, you know, in-breaking routes a little bit too easily. This is a young team. We're going to see the talent. We're going to see the flashes. We're also going to see some hiccups along the way. That's exactly what I expected with this team going into OTAs. And that's exactly what I've seen so far. So they've been as advertised, some really fun, exciting, sexy stuff, some other things that make you go, oh, there's going to be some learning that's going to take place throughout the course of this year. Speaking of the the Jordan Love interception, though, it was great to see Darnell Savage get his hands on that interception. Um, what I will say is that I want to see Darnell be more of a playmaker. I think he needs to really take that step and be the leader in the safety room. There is no Adrian Amos next to him. And if he can make a step as a playmaker, get back to playing the way he did in 2020, that would be a huge step in the right direction for not only Darnell Savage, but this defense as a whole. Player of the day, probably Romeo Dobbs. Romeo had the offseason that he worked with Jordan Love, and you could really start seeing this connection come together. And you could tell that Jordan and Romeo were on the same page, four completions in the two-minute drill, and Romeo was just kind of all over the place. Now, we, he was involved in the play with the interception to Savage, but nothing you know Dobbs could have done differently on the play. But overall, you could just see the rhythm and the timing. And where Jordan hasn't had a lot of that with a lot of his receivers, you could very much tell that Dobbs was very comfortable and Love was very comfortable with where Dobbs is going to be on the field. So that seems to be a connection that is starting to blossom a little bit. And you can tell those two are right now more on the same page than any other connection with Jordan Love. Play of the day, Sean Clifford to Malik Heath. They had a really nice play, probably 30 yards down the field. May have been a hair underthrown by Sean Clifford. I thought Clifford had a pretty nice day overall, uh, but that play to Malik Heath down the field, uh, beautiful over-the-shoulder catch by Malik Heath. Um, just really nice play by both of those players, two rookies making a, uh, a really nice connection down the field for probably what, what I would say was the play of the day. Carl Brooks had a nice sack. You can tell he's got some of that unique athleticism. You can tell some of that edge rusher and pass rusher ability is going to translate as he moves to the inside. So that was a really fun play. And I really want to talk about a sack by Lucas Van Ness as well. So we're in a play action period. And if you ever go in depth and really watch defensive players and specifically defensive linemen and edge rushers on play action plays, you will know that they have to play their run assignment first. You cannot just go balls to the wall and screaming upfield and try to go for the quarterback because if it's a draw, if it's a trap, if it's some sort of delayed run, anything like that, and all of a sudden you're well outside of your gap, you're going to give up a big play because you abandon your responsibility on the play. We would see that happen with Zadarius Smith from time to time where he would go big game hunting and he would want to make that big play and all of a sudden he'd be far up the field and it was a draw or a delayed run and they would run right where Zadarius ran out of basically and it would result in a big play. There was a play in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers where exactly that thing took place. That is not what happened on this play with Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness, it's a play action fake. He's going against Yash Nyman and he gets to the outside. He holds his ground. He sets the edge in case it's a running play. And then he recognizes the play action and he rips through Yash Nyman, makes a play to the quarterback, explodes towards Sean Clifford and would have had a sack on the play if there wasn't another player that came from the other side. I didn't see who it was. That pro- I think it was somebody for either a linebacker or a secondary player who came screaming up, but probably would have had the sack first. But it was a teach tape 
perfect play from Lucas Van Ness, a rookie on a play action fake, played his run responsibility first, recognized it was a pass, got inside, ripped through on Yash, exploded to the quarterback and immediately put pressure on Sean Clifford, who was rolling to his left on the play. Just really exciting stuff when you talk about knowing your responsibility, playing your assignment, doing your job, and then going out, recognizing the play, making a play against a starting caliber offensive tackle in Yash Nyman, and then using that ridiculous athleticism to explode to the quarterback. A very, very fun play from Lucas Van Ness. Thought Tyler Davis looked good. Uh, you know, no major takeaway here, but caught the ball clean and uh, just, it looks like he may have put on maybe a little bit of functional strength. I thought he looked in good shape, was moving really well. Uh, you could tell maybe he's uh, a little bit more ready in, in this season. I'm not making any declarations. He's going to have to earn his spot throughout the course of training camp and preseason, etc. cetera. But uh, I thought Tyler Davis looked good on this particular day. Speaking of the tight end position, Cameron McDonald is an interesting undrafted free agent to keep an eye on. He had another nice reception on this day. He's got a little bit of run after the catch juice. Just an interesting player. He's got good energy to him. Just one of those undrafted players that's kind of caught my eye a little bit so far. So keep an eye and remember, keep an eye on and remember the name of Cameron McDonald. Uh, Colby Wooden, I don't have a, a player a takeaway here, but got some uh, first team reps with the defensive line with Devontae Wyatt not practicing. So really nice opportunity for him to work with TJ Slayton and Kenny Clark. We saw Slayton really manning the nose tackle position more. Kenny Clark playing to the you know one side, and then Colby Wooden playing to the other with the starting base defense. And then one not so fun one, but I'll at least put it out there anyway. Uh, Jadakus Bonds, the new wide receiver. I'll just say, and I, I always hate doing this because I have, I have nothing but you know hope for the guy. I hope he does amazing. Didn't think it was a very strong practice. Didn't think there was an, you know too much to him. Not sure how long he's going to potentially stick around, but um, was hoping maybe for a little bit more for the new guy uh, at OTAs, but uh, didn't see too much out of Jadakus Bonds on this particular practice. That is going to do it for me today in my recap. Hope you enjoyed this. The next open uh, OTA to the media will be next Tuesday. My plan as of right now is to be there. Um, so yeah, I will have a recap for you on that day. Of course, I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode as well. So please make sure to subscribe if you have not already. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.